Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this super show edition of the podcast, joined by our good friends John Ledger and Trevor Sykema. Kyle, welcome to the show. Oh, this is super. Are Getting we, the whole game back welcomed? together. Are we welcome to the show? Well, no, you, you got to let me talk first. My ego's not big enough for a right. mutual intro out of Joe leading it. Carry on, carry on. Okay, now, now that we've totally taken the wind out of my sails, Trevor and John, thanks for coming on the show, guys. <laughs> hey, thanks for you having know, great, us, man. Great to be here. Great to be here. What okay. Are well, today? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> terrific. Uh, so, listen, we are going to continue the series that we started last week on the Super Show that was uh, on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. And so we have the honors of hosting this edition where we're going to dig into first and second year players in the AFC East and the NFC East that according to our own personal rankings of those players going into the NFL draft process have something to prove that uh, is going to make us look right. And if not, going to make us look wrong. So we are going to start here with the AFC. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Someone had a comment. It's second nope. and third year, right? Oh, he's third year too. I meant third, to say that. Second, yeah. well, second. Go ahead. All the Bills rookies are just obviously going to be great. And I know we're starting with the AFC East. They're talking about them. So I mean, I just I was getting nervous for a second there. I was like, I can't pick an, an AFC East rookie that needs to step up because all the rookies for the Bills are going to be awesome. I meant to say second and third okay. year. So now all the listeners and and the panel here is on the same page. So second and gotcha. third year players, AFC East. NFC East. We're going to start with the with the AFC East, and and Kyle is going to navigate us through that. Sure. Uh, I guess we'll let the uh, the guests here do the honors. So let's talk about the New England Patriots, the only team that's won this division in approximately the last decade. Wish I was kidding, but I'm not. <laughs> John, when I look at this depth chart. I see a couple names that I know you liked, but I'm curious to hear from your perspective if there's a single guy that you're really dialing in on waiting for that big jump. Well, for me, it's Derek Rivers for sure because, I mean, I really put you put yourself out there when you make an FCS prospect and you give him a first-round grade. So, you know, to me it was like I saw all the traits with Rivers. I saw the size. I saw the physicality, the explosiveness, all that stuff. And his first preseason game back, there were some good things. There were some things – that made it look like it was his first game back since staring his ACL. So we actually haven't even seen him in NFL football yet. So it's it's kind of difficult to say, okay, you know, this is a guy that disappointed as a rookie and I need him to kind of come back from that. It's more just injury situation with him. But, you know, third round pick, the Patriots, he was their first pick in that draft class. There's a lot of opportunity there for him to be able to get a starting role, play heavy snaps off the edge. So he's the guy, man. Like I need I think he was like my 20th overall player or something like that in that class. I, I really need big things out of Derek Rivers in the next two years. Trevor. Yeah, um, mine's Derek Rivers as well. Um, I was not as high on Derek Rivers as John was because he had him as a first-round pick. I didn't have him as a first-round pick. But when I watched Derek Rivers' tape, 
he was a guy who flashed in a lot of really good areas. And so um, I thought that he got drafted later than he should have, uh, even though, again, like I said, it wasn't as high on him as John was. He's the guy who I put a good amount of stock in as a lower school guy who I thought could make a big difference in the NFL. And unfortunately, obviously, he had the injury last year. So you're hoping he bounces back not only from the injury, but what you hoped he could be in college. And um, I was I was decently high on him last year. So he's my guy, too. Joe, we're going to bring it back to you as my fellow dude. And for the entertainment value of this podcast, please tell me you have a separate name other than the name that I was also going to key on, which was Derek Rivers. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if this Tom Brady guy is going to pan out. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, good question. I had a first I had a first rounder on him back. OK, Bill Polian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Derek Rivers, right? I mean, he, it is. I, I think he was a favorite of all of ours. And get a little bit nervous when you look at this de- depth chart and Adrian Claiborne and Trey Flowers and Dietrich Weiss are all part of the mix here is on the defensive end rotation. So hopefully hopefully Derek Rivers will get enough time to uh, to illustrate the skill set that I know that all four of us believe he has. Uh, no further commentary needed on Derek Rivers, which was, was my name. Was, so was there really anybody ahead. else, though? I mean, like, if you look over the Patriots, I'm trying to find, like, a guy that we would have liked that even really – I mean, fit. I like Kyle Van Noy coming out. Sure, but, but he's been so like a starter ago. for a year and a half there. Right, yeah, right, he's right. In, I'm talking about, like, his... last two draft classes. I'm like – Man, I don't even know, man. I like I, I mean, wasn't they, This roster construction has just turned into trading for everybody else, else's right. busts and making them look dumb for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody and... was high on Vince Valentine. Were any of you guys like Vince Valentine? No. Neither no, did I. Did. And no. he was good as a rookie and then missed all last season, so I don't know. Maybe I end up being wrong on him. We'll see. But yeah, I don't know. The last two classes, most of the guys we were either weren't high on or they're not here anymore. <laughs> so as we shift to the New York Jets, I have a, I have a strategy here. I'm going to let Bo, Joe lead with the Bills, and I'm going to lead with the Dolphins. So, Trevor, I'm going to let you, fittingly, with DT1 Nathan Shepard on this roster, I'm going to let you kind of look over this Jets uh, two-deep roster and point out a player that you really liked over the course of the last couple of years that you're waiting and want to see and you think could possibly make that jump in 2018. John, uh, who do you think that I'm going to go with? Oh, is there how many Florida guys are on the roster? <laughs> well, it's a Florida guy. I'm looking through. Oh, but he was, but he was okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, right. I know who you're going to say, but I won't steal your thunder. It's Marcus May and Marcus May actually played well last year. And so mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like I'm looking for May to go from getting better in terms of getting more playing time. I thought that he played well last year, but anytime that you have two of your higher picks, you're both investing him in the safeties. I think that's a risk. And and it's something that it's not, it can't just be like a one year thing from you. Like the rookie year could not just be an outlier. Like you need may and Jamal Adams to be consistently good for you because of how high they picked both of those guys when the jets, you know, were picking higher in the, in the draft. So there are other needs that they could have gone with and, I think they picked two good players, so I'm not saying that, but I think with the second year for Marcus May specifically, because I think Jamal Adams is incredible and he's going to be just fine, but I think it is important that Marcus May continues to consistently be good next to him um, and as a kind of like an all-around safety package for them. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. 
Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Joe. Yeah, I'm going to go with our Darius Stewart, wide receiver from Alabama, a draft pick for them last year, third round pick, if I'm not mistaken. He's a guy that I valued in a similar area and got excited about him when you watch him on film at Alabama. You saw a guy that's super competitive at the catch point. He's a great blocker. And he's uh, really dynamic after the catch. I thought he was a three-level threat. And so he didn't do much as a rookie. Um, and so, you know, he's kind of buried on this depth chart right now with Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, Quincy Anunwa, Terrell Pryor, and him as well in the mix. So, you know, I, I don't think he's quite on the bubble. you got to think he's going to have a chance to develop. But would certainly like for him to seize this opportunity despite being behind some guys, but he's, you know, he's talented. It's not like these are world beaters in front of him where he couldn't make a push to see some valuable playing time this year. I was just getting ready to say, I don't know how ringing of an endorsement it is when the names in front of you are Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, Terrell Pryor, and Quincy and Nua. Hey, three of those four guys are pretty good. <laughs> They're all better than Stewart. Robbie Anderson bought out last <laughs> that's year. Why they're ahead of, that's why they're ahead of him on the depth chart, right? Way better. Because they're better than, than Stewart. I think Stewart's um, on the bubble. Who is higher, Joe or Kyle? Which one of you guys like Stewart more? I believe Joe did. Yeah, I think so. I think it was me. Yeah. I think I, I liked bubble. I liked our Darius's film, uh, but with the way that we do player evaluations, we put him through some peripheral metric type stuff, and he was not good in those areas, and it kind of dragged him down. I think I had a, an early day three grade on our Darius Stewart. When I look at this team, Darren Lee, coming into his third year, uh, I got honeypotted by the speed at linebacker that Darren Lee had and uh, has not been able to play with any level of physicality and consistency, uh, which has really hurt Darren Lee's development at the NFL level. So as I'm looking through this this too deep, uh, one of the key spots in this Jets defense that has a lot of physical guys up front is Darren Lee, who's not physical. So can Steve McClendon and Henry Anderson and Foley Fakutasi and Nathan Shepard and Leonard Williams, can they keep Darren Lee as clean as humanly possible? <laughs> Let him play in space. And then that I think that's his pathway to success. John, I'd be interested if you have an, any different names to bring to the table here with the Jets. I do, yeah, actually. I did want to throw this out there about Lee. He was a guy that when I talk about learning from an evaluation, I've learned a lot from Darren Lee. I watched him. And in my head and even like in my scouting report, I was like, man, I just don't think he's very good. But it felt like everybody else loved him. And I just let that influence me way too much. 
And I had a, I did have a second round grade on him. I know some people had him in the first, but even that I feel like in retrospect is too high. And we'll see how he develops. He has he has gotten better, I think, from everything that I've heard. So the arrow may be pointing up a little bit, but I don't think he's going to be worth the first round pick when it's all said and done. Even so, he's definitely got to keep an eye out. Two other guys I'll mention: Sharon Peak, but. I'm mentioning his name only to, to kind of drag myself here because I had like a late third round grade on Sharon Peak because he gave Jalen Ramsey more issues than like anybody else Ramsey played that whole year. And I gave Peak too much credit for that instead of the fact that Ramsey was new to the position and just kind of making some mistakes on his own to beat himself. So he was a guy that I thought a little bit higher of, I mean, a lot higher than the NFL, but you know, didn't love him or anything, but thought he had all the traits to kind of develop into a better player than he is. He's got like no shot to make this roster whatsoever. And then Jordan Jenkins. I had a second-round grade on Jordan Jenkins. And another lesson learned. If you cannot rush the passer, don't value a guy, certainly on the, like, the top 75, definitely not in the first two rounds. Um, and so for me, that was a learning experience with Jordan Jenkins. He's been a starter there. He's already started like 30 games, I think, for them, or played in 30 games or so for the Jets. The problem is he just can't watch the rush the passer at all. He's a good run defender. He's a Simon Sound, all that stuff. But if he were anywhere other than the Jets where Todd Bowles doesn't care about edge pressure, he would be on the bench. So um, he's a guy that I really need to do a lot better this year, but I, I don't know that I see that really in the wheelhouse for him. I think he kind of is who he is. Who needs edge pressure, right? Yeah. Yeah, what not a weird thing to just brush under the rug. Yeah, I don't need guys off the edge. Why? Mr. Marino, it's time to talk about your Buffalo Bills, my friend. The ball is in your court. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to have the consensus answer here to lead things off. That's Shaq Lawson, the Bills' first-round pick two years ago in 2016. His rookie year was a disaster, and it started with the shoulder injury and then Rex Ryan playing him as a true 3-4 outside linebacker. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a lost season. And then you expected him to kind of take a step forward back in a 4-3 role in Sean McDermott's uh, defense last year. And he played well as a run defender, but you don't take, you know, good run-defending defensive ends – in the first round. And so he needs to be a lot better as a pass rusher. And the concern there is that he just he just doesn't look like he has that athleticism and flexibility to really win around the outside edge track in the NFL. So he's dropped some weight this year. All indications are that he's in great shape. I know we hear that about a lot of players. But uh, Shaq Lawson is a player that needs to, you know, I, he needs to have a great season this year for my own purposes. But, you know, otherwise he's really kind of tr- trending towards that bust label uh, if he doesn't start uh, showing up as an impact pass rusher. Yeah, top 10 guy for me. I need that too. John, any other names or is that your guy? No, Zay Jones is my guy, man. You know, it doesn't look good in retrospect when Zay Jones – Goes in the second round, and you had a second round grade on him, and Juju Smith-Schuster is the last pick or so in the second round, and outplays him by a country mile, and Juju plays on your hometown team. So uh, I had Zay Jones higher than him. I just, I don't know. I like Juju, but I I thought Zay Jones would be, you know, I know some people had like a first round grade on Zay Jones. I wasn't that crazy, but I did think he would be better than what he is, and I just think you kind of, he was evidence to me that you might need a little bit of a trump card to be able to win in the NFL. Um, I'm not sure that he really has that all around solid receiver. I think he'll have a bet. I think the arrow will point up for him, but will he, I mean, he was one of the first picks in the second round, right? Wasn't he like 35th yeah. overall? Yeah. Yeah. He needs to be well, a lot better this year and there should be tons of opportunity there. So we'll see. Trevor. Yeah. Mine would be Zay Jones. Um, I, I was not, uh, I guess I'll ju- like relatively high on Shaq Lawson, like the Shaq Lawson, Kevin Dodd stuff. 
Like both of them, everybody was super high on him. I was higher on Lawson than I was on Kevin Dodd. I thought the Kevin Dodd hype was kind of crazy. Um, so I was higher on Shaq Lawson than, than Dodd, but both of those guys I wasn't super high on. So if Shaq busts out, it looks worse for you guys than it does for me. So I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> It is a Jones for me for a lot of the reasons that, uh, that, that John mentioned. Jay Jones will be an interesting uh, scouting example, I guess. Yeah, when you talked about kind of having a trump card and, and getting a lot of stats and being a production guy for a certain team and weighing a system versus what might actually translate to the next level, is kind of, Zay Jones is kind of a, an experiment with that right now. Yeah, I'm kind of petrified of like small school volume system receivers. Like you're gonna have to be really good yeah, right. and check a lot of boxes for me to not have that apprehension because this right. is like the perfect case study of well, you know they they manufactured him a lot of targets and right not Jones to harp player not to harp on East Carolina but Justin Hardy's same type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I got snookered by Hardy. I didn't fall as hard for Jones. I think I had Jones in in late round three was my eval range for him okay. so um but i was higher on justin hardy coming out and um i looked at looked at that evaluation a little bit and i think it saved me from being higher on zay jones despite some of the noise around him did anybody like the Adolphus washington here <sighs> no, no not I, at all i had a fifth no. on him i think so okay yeah. so we were all looking Jeez. good there let's go ahead everybody reach out and put that uh that notch in the wind column there you go good work, boys. <laughs> we did well there you go Time to talk about the Miami Dolphins, boys. I'll, I'll try my best to not hop on my soapbox. Are they still one of the 32 teams? I didn't know if. John, you know what? <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. We'll see. All right. I got two defensive players for the Miami Dolphins. One of them is Jordan oh, Phillips, two. defensive tackle Jordan Phillips. The other is cornerback Cordrea Tankersley. Uh, both of these guys are kind of – mired in position battles right now. Tankersley was a third-round pick last year. Phillips was a second-round pick in 2015. I had top 40 grades on both of these guys. Tankersley was a gamer last year. Once they got him into the game, I thought he played really, really well. Uh, his competition is Bobby McCain, who's their uh, nickel defender. They've signed him to a long-term contract to play in the nickel. Ideally, you don't want Bobby playing on the boundary, so Tankersley being able to step up and keep Bobby or Tory McTire, who's kind of the other buzzy name right now um, on the sideline and playing Cordray, I think for the scheme fit for the Dolphins would be really favorable. Jordan Phillips, obviously with the Dominic and Sue out the front door, uh, time to step up, dude. You're in a contract year. He's got really special athleticism for a guy his size. It's just a question of where's the motor, where's the conditioning, can you turn it on and play with it all the time? He's got some dominant flashes, but it's time to turn it on in a contract year. That's a fourth-year guy. Yeah. There you go. Okay. All right. I see it. I I'm reaching that. a little bit. I respect I'm that. Re- I like that. I like that. Going to the wall for a fourth year guy. Wow. Respecting breaking the rules couldn't be me. <laughs> We're rebels here on draft dudes. What can we say? It's uh, your house. John, it's your house. So I got to laugh. House rules, baby. Uh, John, anybody on this roster for you? Uh, you know, there's two guys that I wasn't high on two. at all that look like they're outplaying kind of my expectations. Kenyon Drake as uh, kind of seems like he's on his way there and Davin Godshaw, um, who I just didn't see it at all with. And apparently he's done well there. I haven't seen a lot of him. Drake looked amazing at the end of last year. I'll go kind of with Leonte Carew though, in terms of a guy that's underachieved. I wasn't even crazy high on Carew. I think it was like 
third round grade on him or something but like he's probably not going to make this roster from based on what i'm seeing and so um you know that would be kind of disappointing i mean he was taken in the third round and obviously it'd be disappointing for miami but even for my own evaluations i thought things would work out a lot better than this i know there's other stuff with him there's always been um so that may be playing a factor or playing a role here as well but i really thought that gates would have cut him loose by now if that stuff was as bad as people kind of say it is the the intangibles but he's still here and so um yeah I, he's the guy i really need to step up i guess uh, there's nobody i can really see that i've been much higher on than him yeah they're uh living on a pipe dream if they think they're gonna get anything for Carew. oh shoot he's, i've uh, skipped he's, Devontae he's... parker <laughs> Devontae parker wow, so now, now, he was a top you know i did i bring me, two, so I, know, yeah. I bring two names to the table and all of a sudden john's got to bring three names to the table yeah, so we're naming the whole roster at this point. go ahead go ahead carry on without me trevor uh, yeah, you know, uh, speaking of uh, of go, just going along with what John had, Ryan Tannehill needs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Isaiah Ford is my guy. Um, I could say Raekwon McMillan just because obviously he's going to play a big role, and I was pretty high on him, and he lost all last year to a torn ACL. But I'm actually going to say Isaiah Ford because I thought that Ford showed some really good signs of a guy who could win deep. And I'm wondering how much I can trust those guys go translating to the NFL if that's about all they can do. Um, and Isaiah, I didn't do much. So in the first preseason game, I got to watch him because they were playing the Bucks, so I got to watch that pretty closely. And I think he scored a touchdown. I think he scored a touchdown in the corner of the end zone. So I was like, oh hey, look, Isaiah Ford doing things, and I was decently high on him. But um, he's kind of a another case study guy for me about. When winning vertically is your thing, um, how much does it translate and who it translates to depending on like your size and your measurables and your um, your success of the combine and all that kinds of stuff. So Isaiah's my dude. Joe, parting thoughts on the Dolphins and then I'll hand it off to you for emceeing the NFC East. Yes, yeah, so I think we just named like 10 players on this roster and I cannot believe that nobody else is going to name Laramie Tunsil, the left tackle there. He was my He's number two. Soft. Number two overall player in the uh, 16 class behind Joey Bosa. <laughs> okay, oh, so look, he's got to be better. His first year he played at guard because the Dolphins were just in love with Brandon Albert at left tackle. And so now he played back at left tackle last year. And so hopefully this is the year it all comes together. And we see the player we saw at Ole Miss where you saw lightning quick feet. You got length, a guy that can stay square to blocks, a guy that has power, like just a beautiful prospect in my opinion. But he's just... He's not been able to uh, translate so far to the NFL. So Laramie Tunsil is the guy that I need to take a major step forward considering he was my number two overall prospect in 2016. He was your number one overall prospect, uh, John? Yeah, Laramie Tunsil. He was most people's number one overall prospect. Bro, he, then he is your answer. I know. He, I totally – I messed that whole team up. Dolphins, John's just two, making this up as he I goes, I two man. top five guys. I'm actually sitting at my computer looking at it, and I still messed it up, actually. Now, I you, wish know how, I was now you know how our show goes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> show me the lie there. This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week, and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore, and don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. 
Stefan Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, shall we go to the NFC East here, going through this division again, the second and third year players that we need to show out for our own personal reasons here. Let's uh, let's start things off with John. Hopefully he's got his bearings back under him and he's ready to talk about the right player to choose from the Dallas Cowboys. Oh boy. Hmm. This is tricky. Dallas Cowboys. For me, it's Tyron Smith, man. I just think he's underachieved. (laughs) (laughs) Way to buy yourself a couple seconds there, dude. (laughs) It's a fourth year guy, but Lael Collins was a top three player for me. Um, obviously when I drafted with the other stuff would have gone in the first round, I'm sure. But, um, he, again, this isn't like he, I think he played well last year and I actually got watched a good bit of him. I think he played well last year, but I think to be where I had him, he needs to take another step this year. Now, last year was his first year of tackle in the NFL. That's tough in Dallas. They ain't going to help you out all the time either. So, um, I think he had tough assignment. I mean, look at, look at who he has to go against Brandon Graham, Ryan Kerrigan and Jason Pierre Paul. That's who he went against last year. So, I mean, you know, he is a guy that I think has all the tools and all the traits and the right coaching to be one of the best right tackles in the league. I think he gets there after the season. I think he ends up making me look good after all. Trevor, who do we got? I was I was super high on Rasul Douglas after the Senior Bowl, and the corn. Or oh, sorry, sorry, we're talking Cowboys. Fun Cowboys. Yeah, reel back in here. All right, I'm an idiot. I um, thought you were bouncing over to like I thought you were gonna tie it around eventually to something to, to a cowboy somewhere cowboys, yeah, yeah. i could have just totally tried to buy time there um <laughs> actually for the cowboys it's xavier woods um i was a sucker for his tape um oh, just the oh. highlights that he was able to make on the ball making giant hits um i need i, I was pretty dang high on xavier woods and so um hopefully he gets he, he gets his chance to be uh, continue full time, full time dude in this defense. Yeah, he's Kyle. got a start for sure, Xavier Woods. So, yeah, yeah, you know. it's a big, big opportunity for him to be that uh, starting him. safety. Didn't you like him a lot, Joe or Kyle or both? Yeah, you, or? yeah, we both yeah, liked we were him. Both high on on Xavier, really good player, fun player. Uh, Joe, my guy is Taco Charlton. Now I had Taco like high or low thirties on my big board, so the Cowboys were higher on Taco than I was. But uh, I thought this was a really promising player, regardless of some of the athletic testing that that he illustrated. Uh, I loved his length. I thought he had a ton of potential as a pass rusher. And uh, Cowboys fans are a little disenfranchised because they wanted T.J. Watt with that pick. And they didn't get T.J. Watt. They got Tyler Charlton. Cowboys fans disenfranchised? Can't imagine. Believe it or not, (laughs) yes. I saw people tweeting at Taco telling him he's trash and should get cut after the Hall of Fame game last year on Twitter. Like, dear Lord, folks. Let's reel it in a little bit. I heard Uh, he might get cut, though, Cal. Okay. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> um, Taco Charlton's my guy. I just really want to see him take that next step and kind of silence some of the doubters and kind of put the Cowboys fans' minds at ease, Joe. 
yeah, my guy as well is Taco Charlton. I liked his skill set a lot coming out. He's got a lot of length and flexibility for a size. It's pretty pretty unique. So I'm looking for that to come together here in year two for Taco Charlton. Let's move on to the New York Giants. I'm going to lead off here with Trevor. This is an interesting team because they picked number two overall in the draft. They overlooked all the other quarterbacks that were available, took Saquon Barkley. So a team that thinks it's a lot better than a team that's going to be picking uh, that usually is picking at number two overall. So Trevor, who needs to show out on this team for you? Sterling Shepard is my guy. And that's just for, for my own eval. Um, I know he's had his opportunities, but um, I want him to be even more involved in that Giants offense because I coming out, I was in love with Sterling Shepard as a prospect. Um, I thought that he, the nuances of his game was going to take the NFL by storm and, and he still could. I mean, he's, he's showed good signs. He's good, but um, I just need like at one point I had him going in the f- end of the first round in multiple mock drafts. And what did he end up going? Where did he end up going? He, he went day? early second. Okay. So, I mean, like, I, I guess I wasn't that far off from, from when he actually went, but um, yeah, I just, I guess need him to step up big because I was super high on him. Kyle, who do we have? Yeah. I look at this roster and a name that does stand out to me that I was especially high on, but we're not really a barring injury, going to get a chance to see who he really is, is Wayne Gallman, the running back out of Clemson. Yeah. I uh, didn't hate Wayne Gallman. Yeah, yeah, Wayne had pretty solid tape, and I thought yeah. he was a solid all-around player. And he was playing behind this trash offensive line last year, and they didn't have any. So, And it, they, they never really put him into a role to kind of get him carries. And then they brought went out and brought in Jonathan Stewart and drafted Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick. So like Wayne right now sitting as RB three on this depth chart, and it's like I don't know who he is. Yeah, I thought Wayne had would had really solid tape. I thought he was a really well rounded running back. Yep, doesn't have a trump card though. So I think that that's probably the setback with Wayne as far as uh, the Giants wanting to get other bodies in there where Stewart. Still at this point is a grinder, power back, Saquon, super explosive, really rare athlete, player of his size. So Wayne's kind of on the back burner for now. We'll see what his career brings. But that's a player that I do have my eye on because I want to see where that career trajectory takes him. John Legend. Okay, again, I'll put myself through the ringer here. Uh, Darian Thompson was a player. I either had a late first or early second round grade on Darian Thompson. I thought his tape was just awesome. And his first year, he barely played. And last year, he started, and he was okay. But he wasn't, like, anything close to what I had projected him. He ended up being a third-round pick. So the NFL wasn't as high on him as me. So I I really need him to have a great year. And I know he's kind of in a position battle. I don't think anything's even guaranteed him in terms of a starting job right now, even though the safety continues to be kind of a weak spot for the Giants other than Landon Collins. So I really need him to, to show out this year. I don't think anybody else is going to say him. So I'll also mention B.J. Goodson. When he's been healthy – He's been good for them. He was their fourth-round pick in that same draft. When he's been healthy, he has been good for the Giants. He just can't stay on the field very long, and so that's a concern for me. But I think he is on the inside track to be the other starter along with Ogletree, and so I'm hoping he has a nice year as well. Yeah, for me, we're going to mention the second Youngstown State Penguin defensive end. That's Avery Moss, a guy that I liked quite a bit. I had him. Had him yeah, yeah. He's a guy that uh, loved his tape. He's a former Nebraska guy that got into some trouble and wound up following Bo Pelini to Youngstown State. And he, you know, he's got a lot of talent. Love his hand usage. He's super strong. He's a technician as a pass rusher. And um, you know, he didn't didn't show much as a rookie, but uh, you know they. 
there's a lot of turnover on on this pass rushing situation with them moving on from Justin Pierre-Paul. And uh, you expect maybe an opportunity for Avery Moss to show the, the skill set that I saw there at Youngstown State. Uh, we're going to move on to the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Kyle, you kind of live in Philadelphia, so let's uh, let you lead off with this one. Well, you know, I was at the senior ball. I was really high on Rasul Douglas. <laughs> uh, Rasul is a name that I really liked. Uh, I don't want to steal Trevor's Thunder, though, so I'm going with Sidney Jones, who they're playing currently a lot in the nick. They're put, putting him in the uh, middle of the field. Sidney Jones coming off that Achilles injury that cost him his entire rookie season, uh, an, an injury that he suffered at the pro day, which is like the worst freaking diamond that you can have an injury, especially – of the Achilles tendon, where it, it that's a really rough road to recovery. But uh, Sydney's out on the field. He's been you know 18 months removed from this injury, so we're gonna find out real quick how much of his athletic his athleticism he's gotten back. But Sydney Jones for me was my top corner in 2017 NFL draft. Mm-hmm. I had him ahead of Marshawn Lattimore, first round grade on Sydney Jones. So uh, the Eagles are in a position where in the next year they're going to be making some decisions with their cornerback room with Ronald Darby in a contract year. So Sidney Jones has an opportunity here to really establish himself as a player that they can feel good about and and use him on the boundary going forward. John, who do we have? I'm going to go with Derek Barnett. Uh, I had an early second round grade on Derek Barnett. uh, So not as high as some other people did. I thought last year he was like solid, but you know, not what Philly Philadelphia draft him to be when they took him 14 overall. So uh, a big leap still needed, plus the issues with Brandon Graham holding out and then potentially you know being a free agent, depending on what happens with his contract. And they really kind of need him to step up, uh, or Josh Sweat, uh, which is a possibility. I'll throw that out there. But I really think Barnett has to be the guy. You know, you take a edge pass rusher that high, you got to be an annual double-digit sack guy. Um, and last year, I didn't think he had that. He flashed that type of potential. I thought he was solid. I thought he was good, but I didn't think he was great, and I didn't think he looked like a top half of the first-round pick. So need him to take that next step. Philly needs him to take that next step. I'd like it too. I mean, I, I thought they reached a little bit for him, but still a player that I liked a lot. And I think, I I think he has a potential to do a little bit more in the NFL, even if he's not ever quite a 12 sack a season guy. Trevor, you ready to talk about Rasul Douglas? You know, after the senior bowl, I was really high on Rasul Douglas. Uh, <laughs> because he chirped. That's I gotta, why. I, I got I got a teleprompter. I'm like anchorman. Uh, I missed the teleprompter the first time. Um, no, he did. He would, I, I, I did not know a lot about Russell Douglas before that senior ball, and he really stood out to me not only in how he played, the ways that they played him, and uh, like John said, he's a chirper. And so I thought he went to a great team with the Eagles, and kind of the same stuff that Kyle was talking about in the situation in their cornerback room is similar to Rasul Douglas about his opportunity to become a starter in that Eagles team because they're going to have a lot of movement. They're going to have some decisions to make. And Sidney Jones is coming back from injury. You're hoping or they're hoping that he's going to take at least one of those outside spots. And um, the rest of it's kind of up for grabs. So that there's going to be some cornerback change. Rasul Douglas is going to be able to uh, certainly state his case for, for getting some good playing time. My guy here is going to be Isaac Siamalu. Uh, oh, guard from Oregon State. Yeah, I liked him a ton coming out. Super physical guard. Liked how he won in space. I thought he had a, a nice skill set there to uh, potentially be one of those mid-round starters that you get and plug him in at offensive guard and kind of forget about it for a while. But he got a chance to start a couple of games last year and got pulled really quick. Only only lasted two games. And so I, I get nervous about there being a, a legitimate course for him getting on the field. Maybe some opportunities as a utility blocker. I don't think he's going to beat out 
you know, Wisniewski or Kelsey or Brooks for one of those interior spots. So uh, I'm not sure how he's going to prove me right, but he's a guy that I would like to see get an opportunity because I, I liked him a lot coming out of Oregon State. Uh, we're going to wrap things up here with the Washington Redskins, and we'll start off with John Ledger. I'm trying to go through some of the names here that I feel like you guys won't take because I think like Josh Dotson might be a trendy choice and maybe John Allen and maybe some maybe a couple other maybe like a Preston Smith or something even though he's a fourth year guy I'll I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Preston Smith because he was my 13th overall player I think that year and I think he's been a very good player but again if you're talking about that high in the draft you just got to be a little bit more productive and going into his fourth season he's one of those guys every team would love to have him. But is anybody really paying top dollar for Preston Smith? I thought he would be even better. Uh, he did lead rookies in sacks that year, and it was supposed to be this big heralded edge class, and he ended up being the most impressive guy's rookie. But I think I think he's kind of just normalized since then. Like that that's really was his peak. Who he was is who he was, and maybe overestimated his ceiling a little bit. Again, still a good player for sure. But I, I wonder if there's maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling. So I'm cheating too. I'm going with I'm going with the fourth round, fourth year guy. Uh, Trevor, who do we have? Josh Doxson, wide receiver one. He was wide receiver one. He was wide receiver one. Okay. All right. Could so, not be uh, me, but. Obviously need him to uh, step up, if uh, to put it lightly. All right. I am going to go next year, and I'll give it to Kyle to wrap things up. I'm going with John Allen. I know that uh, John took, it, took the liberty there to kind of tease all the possibilities before settling on his guy. But uh, John Allen, for me, is a guy that I love. Last year, super stout player at the point of attack. Loved how he uses his hands. You know, his his uh, season got cut short due to injury. And so uh, and you saw that. You saw the impact when he was not on the field, how soft that Redskins uh, front got. And they gave up a ton of yards against the ground. So I'm looking for him to bounce back strong and be, you know, the player that I thought he was and, and the player that the Redskins drafted him to be. Kyle. Yeah, uh, wide receiver one, Josh Doxson is the correct answer. Wow, I'm surprised. I'll t- I will tell you what, the more Trevor and I you know, work together with the Draft Network, the more I realize how smart of a guy he is because we have <laughs> very, very similar takes in a lot of different areas. And you, you would know? consider Josh Doxson one of those takes? You know, I mean, I had him wide receiver one. That was smart, I though? Did, I did not have you, you a first-round grade. You've got yeah. to give it time. You know, I mean, you're it, talking it, to Michael like, Thomas, wide receiver one truther here, so... Oh, okay. Well, excuse us, John. <laughs> you want us to throw you a parade? Juan Treadwell was wide receiver, too, one spot after him on my board. <laughs> Yikes. Couldn't, Couldn't be me. Oh, well, I think I was Doxon and Shepard was that same year, wasn't he? No, yeah, Shepard yeah. was the year prior. No, uh, Shepard was the same year. He and uh, yeah, Thomas so I was, went in the second. Mine was, yeah, I, it was the Corey was Coleman Doxon. year. Mine was Doxon, <laughs> Shepard, uh, Thomas, uh, Corey Coleman. Those are my four. I was Doxon, Shepard, Treadwell, Thomas were my top four. Corey Coleman was wide receiver like 14 for me. So we all like Michael Thomas. That's good. Yeah, so don't pat yourself on the back too hard, dude. I don't want to see you pull pull anything here. We're just bringing this thing home. We made it this far without injury. Let's keep it that way. (laughs) With that in mind, we'd like to thank you for carving some time out of your Friday, starting your weekend off right with the Draft Network Super Show between the Locked On NFL Draft Group and the Draft Dudes Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe on both this Draft Dudes Podcast and Locked On NFL Draft. Make sure you are not missing what we are bringing to you on a Monday through Friday basis every single week. 
we love to talk shot. We love to talk football. Uh, I have not mastered the Locked Gone Guys Twitter handles yet, so I will say that you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Grinding the Tape. Joe is at DJ Marino. John Ledyard is at Ledyard NFL Draft. Yes, nailed it. And Trevor Sykema is at Tampa Bay Trey. Nailed it. Okay, yeah, we're going to go ahead and close this thing down right now because I'm I'm on a heater. So thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast and the Draft Network Super Show. Enjoy your weekend, folks. We'll catch up with you again at the start of next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.